Gap Year Universe. I'm Margot Brookfield. And I'm Julia Rogers. Welcome to Gap Year Radio, the show that brings you information and inspiration to plan a life-changing Gap Year adventure. On today's show, we welcome Eamon and John, who completed the entire Appalachian Trail during their gap year. This is a huge feat, since only about a quarter of people who attempt the entire trail end up completing it. I mean, to say that's impressive is uh, an understatement. I remember my only real experience with the Appalachian Trail is reading Bill Bryson's A Walk in the Woods. Did you ever read that, Margot? I have not yet, but it's been on my list for a few years now. It's a good one. It's a little dated now. I wish that there was like an updated version maybe, but it's it's a really funny story and it makes it, it really does give a picture of how hard it is to complete it. And I know that I've, I've talked to a lot of people who section hiked the trail. So it's, uh, it's very, you know, it's more common to do it in chunks, not just straight through. So it's, I can't wait to hear their stories. Was there any amazing takeaways um, from interviewing them? so many and so much insight from them. You know, my only, admittedly, my only um, knowledge of through hiking is from reading Cheryl Strait's Wild, as I think is for many people around the country these days. And so um, more familiar with the Pacific Crest Trail and the Appalachian Trail being, you know, equally, I think, well-known and and sort of, you know, challenging in its own separate ways. And so it was so many amazing takeaways and, um, you know, a lot of insight that they gained from that experience. So uh, yeah, their stories are amazing. That's awesome. And did they reveal their trail names? They do reveal their trail names. Yes. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to hear. Okay. Well, I guess we're ready to start the show. Thank you so much for being here, guys. Thank you both for being with us here on the pod today, John and Eamon. Um, I believe John is in San Diego and Eamon is in Tucson, and I'm here at my home base in Bend, Oregon. So um, thank you both so much for taking the time to be with us today. Yeah, of course. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Um, Well, Julia and I were so excited to stumble upon an article on the internet, just randomly kind of searching gap year information about the two of you, um, which seemed to have been from a a local newspaper, I believe, from the Westboro, where you both are from. Um, And we just felt that the direction that you both chose to take for your gap year was super unique um, and something I don't think many people do. So we've been super excited to have you on the pod and just hear more about your stories. Yeah, no, it's super exciting to be here. Awesome. Yeah. Well, so from reading just more about your adventure from that article that I mentioned, um, it sounded like the through hike was maybe a little bit more of John's idea, but um, Eamon, how did he convince you to join him on this adventure? Or I guess, you know, starting from the beginning, had you both been previously considering taking a gap year? Well, as the article mentions, it was during my sophomore year in high school that he approached me with the idea. And I thought, you know, I like being outside. That's my main thing. Uh, You know, I like running. I like going on hikes and things like that. But he really introduced me to the idea of, you know, taking a year off before college, uh, going on a long hike. You know, I'd never even heard of the Appalachian Trail before. Uh, He really got the whole thing started and it just fit my bill, even though I had no idea what it was prior. That's awesome, Eamon. And John, I guess if you were the one to approach him with that idea as a sophomore year, you know, that's young to be thinking that far ahead, I guess. What kind of instigated that thought process for you that early on in high school? Yeah, so for me, um, so my family moved to Massachusetts in uh, 2009 uh, when I was in fifth grade. And ever since then, 
my parents, uh, they'd taken me up hiking in the uh, White Mountains in New Hampshire a bunch. Um, so starting from a pretty early age, I had been meeting through hikers. I kind of had always sort of known about the Appalachian Trail. And then, uh, then it just kind of blossomed into like, hey, like, wouldn't it be cool if we did this one day? And I was like, yeah. So it's just kind of sort of how it all started, I guess. That's awesome. That's really I think just early to be thinking that far ahead and also early to be thinking about something that is so, I guess, outside of the norm. You know, often I think obviously in high school, you're kind of told, here's your trajectory and it's, it's high school and then straight on to college. So, um, you know, awesome that you were having those thoughts so early on. And from reading as well, it seems you guys were hiking from, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but early March to late July, um, which is nearly five months on trail, which is a very long time. And so I'm sure there was a lot of time leading up to your departure, obviously, as part of your gap year that was preparations for the trail and such. But what did each of you do for the beginning of your year, kind of from graduation up until March when you departed on trail? Yeah, so, um, uh, so I guess... So once I uh, graduated senior year, over the summer, I uh, did a month of volunteer trail conservation in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Uh, so for four weeks, I was up there uh, with the Appalachian Mountain Club. Um, we were like helping restore trails that had gotten eroded from overuse. Uh, we were putting in bridges and stuff. Um, and then for the fall, um, what I did is I had the opportunity to have a paid lab internship at Duke University where I was working in a uh, melanoma research lab um, in, the, in their dermatology department and uh, I was just working with uh, mouse tumors, um, mouse melanoma tumors and I was uh, doing immunofluorescent staining so we were looking at proteins um, <laughs> in the certain chemical pathway associated with melanoma and what different drugs did to uh, change this, this pathway. Wow, that is a very unique way to spend your fall. And not going to lie, a lot of those words I were a bit over my head, but that sounds like a really unique opportunity, um, especially when you'd be doing an internship like that to gain that you know professional experience and such. So very, very cool. Um, what about you, Eamon? What were you up to leading up to your departure on trail? Well, I didn't do uh, nearly as much extraordinary stuff, I think, that uh, John did. But Something that I really wanted to focus on was just personal growth, because uh, I think that's something that, you know, taking a gap year gives you time to do, is uh, even if it's just getting a job like everybody else, nothing special, um, it, exposes, like it's, it exposes you to um, a part of life that isn't always present during uh, high school, and sometimes you miss it going through college, and so when you go into the real world, it's it hits you all at once. So I took a lot of the gap year to um, kind of start building habits. Uh, I started meditating a little bit. I started reading a lot. Um, I got better at running than I ever did in high school. Uh, and I just started to feel like a much happier and a much fuller person, even before the trail began. And I think that really helped with hiking the trail and with, um, you know, this first couple first couple weeks in college already. That is awesome. And to have so much intention behind what you wanted to get out of that time. You know, I know that all of us could probably benefit from taking some more time to intentionally think about what we want to get out of our time and our efforts and, you know, the things that we're doing moving forward. I know I would appreciate having a few months to just focus on myself. And so I'm sure that that also set you up for better success once getting on trail. So that's super cool. Um, I'm excited to hear a little bit more about that as well. But yeah, you know, you had this plan. You've been talking about it for a few years, which is great. How did you go about 
stuff researching and planning for the trail? And now in hindsight, is there anything either of you wish you would have done differently in those preparations? Yeah, some of the things we each did, like I know uh, Eamon definitely like watched a lot of videos and read a lot of blogs about the trail. Um, some of the other things we did in, uh, in preparation was like we went on shakedown hikes. So what we did is we took a bunch of the gear that we thought we would probably end up using on the trail and we just went on like a short backpacking trip with those just to like test it out, make sure that, hey, this is this gear works, this is uh, beneficial to us. Um, so that's some of the that kind of preparation we did. What we, we kind of split it up in two ways. So Eamon kind of took, he like took a, researching the trail and what I did is I was in charge of the food for the food preparation, what we did is we pre-dehydrated almost uh, all of our meals, uh, so all of our breakfasts and dinners. So in bulk, we purchased, um, I think it was like 50 pounds of dehydrated instant rice. We purchased like 20 pounds of dehydrated beans and stuff. So we purchased a whole bunch of things like that and then mix and match them in uh, different recipes, I guess. So we had eight different dinners um, and each so we had eight different ones just because we were eating those every single night. So we figured eight was probably a good enough variety so that we wouldn't get bored of them like halfway through and be like, I literally cannot eat this anymore. Uh, we had two different breakfasts, um, grits and oatmeal. I'd say the one thing I'd probably change is I might have added more variety to our breakfasts. And I probably, I think we both can agree we probably would have gotten rid of the grits um, just because especially in the beginning, I think it was so cold in the air that the grits weren't able to cook so they just ended up tasting really sandy a lot that's awesome i read that in the article as well that you had ziploc bags of all of your meals ready to go and that is incredible for planning i would say and you know forethought into what you'd be doing for those next few months yeah amen for you with the gear preparations and such how did that go and is there anything you do differently now well, I didn't know nearly as much about the gear uh, as John did. I kind of just knew that you needed a backpack and food and probably a first aid kit. <laughs> Again, he taught me a lot of the stuff that I needed to know about um, what kind of gear to bring. So he helped me a lot with that kind of preparation. And I love doing all of the bagging of the food. That was really fun. A majority of my preparation was really just psyching myself up and staying physically fit and being open to whatever happens because you know a lot of things can happen you know in different parts of the country and you just you just don't know what's going to happen so it was fun to to know that i felt prepared going in after many months of introspective thinking to help me get through the trail absolutely and i'm sure that that physical preparation was huge as well did you guys start off with a certain number of average miles per day and did you see that significantly increase throughout the course of your hike yeah so uh in the beginning, we um, we started out pretty slowly. I'd say we generally kept our mileage to less than 10 a day, especially because in the beginning, I uh, sustained like two different kind of muscular injuries. Um, like I had a little, I had a bit of knee problems in the beginning, and then I had a uh, quad strain due to like overcompensation from the knee injury. Thankfully, those all went away within the first like month or so. I want to say. So after the first month, pretty much like as soon as we hit Virginia, so the first three or 400 miles of the trail, uh, that's when we really started to pick it up. We, I'd say by that point, we were probably averaging between 20 to 25 miles per day. We never actually broke 30 miles. We got up to like 29 at some points, or pretty close to. 
Yeah, so and then near the beginning, the terrain got harder again, um, and we probably dropped it down to closer to just 20. Um, but ever since, you know, that first month, we pretty much always stuck to 20 or above 20, I want to say. Wow, that is a significant increase throughout the course of your hike. And just to clarify too, did you all start down in, is it Georgia, and then you finish in Maine? Was that the route that you took? Yeah, we started uh, at Springer Mountain in Georgia and finished at Mount Katahdin in Maine. Yeah, we went from you know northern Georgia to northern Maine, so we went northbound. Amazing. Do many people go southbound? Is that typically the way that people go about the AT? Yeah, the majority of people do hike it northbound. Think flip-flopping, which is starting you know, in the middle or at a different point on the trail than the beginning or the end, north or south, becoming more and more popular because you can... It works better with the seasons changing and stuff like that, and you avoid the big crowds. And then some people still do it southbound, which is definitely the harder route because the state of Maine is a very hard hike. Gotcha. I guess in my mind, it seems like it'd be tough after however many months of hiking to end up in the more mountainous part up in Maine. But I guess you've probably built up your trail legs by then. Is that the thinking? Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, and also, Mount Katahdin is just such a beautiful spiritual mountain to finish at. For example, Springer Mountain in Georgia, it's a completely wooded summit, um, no view, not really a whole lot spectacular about it, whereas Mount Katahdin, it's this um, completely above treeline, amazing 360 degree view. It's just a very spiritual place. It's very high up. It's like five miles of just continuous straight uphill. And I think it's just, yeah, way more spectacular place to finish such a, an amazing journey. Yes, that definitely makes a lot of sense in that route. And of course, you know, I have had some friends that have done through hikes as well. And you always hear about people acquiring trail names. So I'm curious, did either of you or both of you, I'm sure, have a trail name or a number of trail names? What were those? So my trail name was Irish or Irish AF because my first name is very Irish. So when people had a hard time pronouncing it or spelling it, I would tell them, oh, it's really, really Irish. And so that's how that happened. And John's name was Beach Bum because he had a lay on for the entire trail. From day one to the last day, he had that lay on, like the Hawaiian lay. So I gave that name to him a couple days into the trail. I thought it was pretty funny. Love it. That's awesome. What would you, and this might be different things for each of you, but what would you say was the most challenging part of being on trail? I'd say the most challenging parts definitely changed with the seasons. Uh, for example, in like the very beginning of the trail, I'd say when it was like 20 degrees outside and it was really toasty inside our sleeping bags, just sort of waking up in the morning and knowing that like the first half hour would inevitably be cold and miserable, that was always a little bit difficult. Um, but then, you know, as time progressed, I think just kind of getting up every day and knowing that you had to like walk so many miles. I think it kind of, especially near the end, I, at least for me, it definitely got a little bit old. Like I definitely got a little bit bored of hiking, I guess you could say. I'd say those were probably the most difficult things for me at least. Yeah, that makes sense. I would imagine it's a bit monotonous, but Eamon, what was your take on that? Yeah, I think like a hard, really hard part of the trail was the beginning, not what, not just with how cold it was, but with d just doing something different with your body every single day, uh, mentally and physically. It was really interesting to have a different feeling waking up every morning, you know, depending on how the last day went, whether it was, you know, oh, I can't wait to hike 10, 20 miles today, or 
you know, oh, I would rather just stay in bed all day. Like, I don't know if I even want to be out here anymore. It flip-flopped like that, at least for me, a couple times in the beginning. So it was really weird that it was doing the same thing every day, essentially, you know, going out and hiking. But it was with a different attitude every day, just because of how different it all is and how it, it all happened at once. So I think as the trail went on, it, it got so much better. But the beginning was definitely interesting that way. Wow. And with that, I personally can't even imagine, you know, obviously have a lot of admiration and respect for, you know, the two of you and, and anyone that takes on this beast of a hike. But did those thoughts ever start to take over in any way of, oh gosh, I'd, I'd rather stay in bed. Maybe I'd rather not be here. Did you ever have any serious considerations of not finishing or are we going to really get through this? Yeah, I specifically had a day that the both of us definitely remember. You know, the night before was, was great. It was a great day and we got a lot done. It was at McAfee Knob, which if you look up pictures of the Appalachian Trail, it's one of the first pictures to come up. So it was a great day. And then I woke up the next day and um, it, I was just not feeling it. I don't know what it was. It was in the middle of Virginia. You know, it's the biggest state on the trail. It's over 500 miles. Uh, so it's a big chunk of it. And it's not particularly interesting um, for the most part as a state, just the hiking. So uh, it was all starting to get to me um, really intensely. So we were supposed to hike maybe 15, 20 miles. And after, you know, like five or six, I said, you know, we just like, we got to stop for the day. And so I took the night to really, you know, I was really, I think that was the moment I was closest to saying, you know, maybe this isn't for me, but I think having John there totally kept me going, talking with him that night and just you know, enjoying and not having to hike as far that day. It really, really helped just taking that one day slow. And, you know, if I ever felt that way later on the trail, it was so much easier to come back from it. I never had a day as bad as that ever again. But yeah, I really wanted to leave. But, you know, I'm so happy that I continued with it. And it's really in a big part thanks to John and thanks to, you know, all the prep that I did beforehand. I knew that it was something I had wanted to do and I was going to finish it. How great it. that you you both had each other to lean on. You know, I would imagine that the ups and downs over the course of that amount of time challenging yourself physically and mentally and emotionally to complete something like that. But I'm sure that the feeling at the end upon completion of the trail was worth all of those. And I did read as well, it sounds as though you had five different bear encounters. So I'm just curious, there's also the natural ups and downs of, of hiking and, and being in the backcountry for that long. So what sorts of preparations did you both take or how did you handle those situations? Yeah, so uh, we did get to see a few bears. Uh, we did see five. Um, the majority of the bears we saw were in the uh, Shenandoah National Park. Uh, and because the Shenandoah National Park is so well traveled by so many people, the bears have largely lost their fear of people. Um, so they are no way aggressive, but uh, usually when you see especially a black bear, it'll run away with it'll run away from you the first time it sees you. Uh, whereas them, they just kind of they were sitting in the middle of the trail eating blueberries or munching on leaves, whatever bears do. So we had to make like a, a large circle around them uh, so not to like bother them in any way. Uh, so what we did is, um, most people on the AT, I would say, go with um, just hanging a bear bag. So they'll throw a rope over like a, a tree limb and hang their food that way. Um, we made the slightly unusual decision of carrying two large bear canisters. Um, just because we figured when we were rolling to camp at like 8 at night, 
um, which doesn't sound like, but for a hiker it is. Uh, we're, we're, we're rolling in at eight. Um, we just did not want to have to deal with putting up a bear bag. Uh, whereas with the bear canister, you know, you can just put it next to a tree, kind of away from your tent, and that's literally all you have to do. Plus, they make great camp stools. Um, so that was kind of our rationale with that. Um, we did not carry any bear spray or anything like that. Um, we only carried a little tiny, like, Swiss Army pocket knife, and that was pretty much just to cut cheese and spread, uh, spread Nutella. So <laughs> we didn't do a whole lot on that front. That's part of the adventure, all the many things you run into and, and the hopefully positive stories that you have to tell on the tail end of it. Now, I think something that is very unique you know, about what the two of you did is that doing a through hike and spending that amount of time with just one other person is a lot, I would imagine. But, you know, just curious, how has this experience affected your friendship? I would definitely say it, it strengthened our relationship, our friendship, I think, to something beyond just like old high school friends. Because, I mean, yeah, like a lot of people that start this trail with someone else uh, don't often finish together. You know, that was just word of mouth along the trail. But so many people, as we got further and further north, would, you know, assume that we started separately and we just met up. And so, yeah, like hostel owners, um, other hikers, through hikers from years past, were all, they were all very surprised that we had started all the way back in Georgia and were making it all the way to Katahdin. Even the people at Baxter State Park were um, a little surprised that we had made it all the way, the two of us. So I think it's something that I don't think either of us will ever forget. And it definitely made our bond as friends so much stronger. And it, I mean, we know each other like the back of each other's hands. Like it's amazing. That's incredible. And that was kind of the story that I had heard. And why I was curious is that I've heard a lot of people that do start the trail together don't often finish together. And so, um, you know, what a testament, I think, to both of you and your friendship, but also I would imagine to both of you as people to be able to exercise patience and understanding and empathy and an experience that I'm sure had a lot of ups and downs for both of you. And John, did you have anything else to add there? Uh, no, not really. There are definitely times when we were both tired, miserable, hungry, and cold. <laughs> um, and I think during those times, we pretty much just realized that it was probably better if we just didn't talk to each other because we probably would say something that we'd regret saying later. So I think there were definitely like one or two times maybe when that was the case um, where we pretty much just said, all right, we're not really going to speak to each other, but we'll just go to bed. It was kind of an unspoken thing. Um, and then the next day, you know, we'd be fine. Um, and I'd say, obviously, Eamon's going to be the closest friend I, I have. Um, I'd say the one thing that maybe he didn't say, it's been a little weird going to college because I've been used to having this one person in my life just so constantly and knowing them, like, 100%. It's kind of been weird going back to, like, having friends but not being with those friends, like, 24-7 and not knowing them like completely inside and out. It's been a kind of funny experience, I'd say. I think that's a hard transition for anybody taking off after high school and heading to an out-of-state school. I mean, you both, it seems, went just about as far away from Massachusetts as you could have into different schools, no less. So I think that that's always a challenge, but I would imagine much more so given that you spent every waking hour of every day together for nearly five months earlier this year. So I would imagine that separation is all the more challenging given that. 
I guess on a more positive note, I know we talked about challenges of the hike and the many ups and downs, but would love to hear from each of you what you felt was a highlight of the whole experience. Maybe it was something during your hike or maybe something after, but yes, what for each of you was your highlight? There's a lot of moments that I think I could pick, yeah. And if I could think of one moment, I guess, you know, at the beginning of the trail, you know, I had done um, not as much hiking, you know, in my past as he had. And so I think there was a moment going up Sassafras Mountain, which is one of the first couple mountains in the hike. And we were going up it. it was, I think it might have been like day two or something. It was really early on. And just all of the the trail food and stuff, because, you know, it was very different from what I eat at home. <laughs> I know my, my stomach just didn't feel right. And so it was a really hard thing to do. And I wasn't sure how John was going to react. But I, I said, you know, like, I got to I got to stop really quick. And I mean, we took a much shorter day than, you know, we had a whole plan for maybe our first week or two. Uh, and I was already day two. I'm, you know, setting us back a couple miles. So. I was like, man, like, how is he going to react? Like, how is this going to play out? Because, I mean, it's so early on. I don't want to mess this up. And he was totally accepting of it. We kind of cowboy camped, you know, set up camp or stealth camped rather off the trail a little bit. Um, and it was really cold. You know, it was hard to set up the tent because our, our hands were getting numb. And there were a couple moments like that where our hands were getting really numb. But that one I remember in particular as, you know, I just felt so awful and had I been by myself, it would have been a very different situation because <laughs> it's day two and I'm already going short. I might have thought maybe this isn't for me, but we, it worked out. You know, we totally kept our cool, you know, ate as much as I could, got up and just it was a whole new hike from that day on. You know, I had my ups and downs after that, but I think that was a moment where I thought, you know, like this will work if a day can go like this and I can wake up and this still works. This is exactly what I was looking for. This is more than what I asked for, but I love it so much. And I, I remember that, you know, vividly, exactly how it happened. I'm sure that some of that too was just as a result of the intentionality you had, as you mentioned, in prepping for this experience and mindfulness and meditation and, and running and all of that. I'm sure that that all helped you in more ways than you could have even imagined throughout the course of the trail. What about you, John? Yeah. Uh, I'd say for me, I really can't pick a single day that I would say was a, a highlight. I'd say for me, it was more of a general thing. It was definitely the people that I met on trail. Just so many amazing people, uh, so many so many interesting stories and backgrounds, um, I think, is just, for me, what kind of what made the trail such a, a special thing. As somebody who's never done a through hike, I know I can't really speak to that experience, but everything I've read and heard of these long trails is, you know, you kind of pass through towns along the way too, right? These little towns that are quite welcoming to hikers. Was that your experience with those communities? Yeah, no, um, they're called trail towns, I'd say pretty colloquially, but uh, a lot of the people in these towns are yeah, just incredibly welcoming and friendly towards hikers and uh, just love having them in their town and providing for them. And I think it's especially incredible because a lot of times these people won't ever see us again. So there's no no motive, like for example, you know, you come to a business, they might try to be nice to you in, a, in the hopes that you'll come back to their business uh, and re repatronize them. Except here, you know, there's absolutely no, no motive like that. It's just 
pure human genuine kindness and I just think that's yeah just such an incredible thing that's awesome to hear and something I think is often forgotten nowadays just I think with technology and in our kind of ever-changing times that there are you can just have that such genuine human interaction and connection with somebody but I'm sure John were you also referring to in that highlight people that you met on the trail like other hikers as well Oh yeah, I definitely say uh, that sort of same human, genuine like connection and kindness also applies to those people. I'd say one particular example of people we met on trail that we just sort of fell in love with was this uh, this group that called themselves the uh, Nobo Horde. Uh, so we were no we hiked northbound, so Nobo. Then Horde was just kind of for fun, and we had met a few of these people bank in uh, Franklin, North Carolina, which is probably 100 miles in or so. Um, and then we didn't see them all the way up until three quarters of the way through Virginia. So that's like 400 miles later. And yeah, we hiked with them for like a good week week or two. And we just like stayed at the same shelters as them every night. We uh, spent the night in Harper's Ferry with them. Or no, we spent like two or three nights there, honestly. We, yeah, we just hung out with them. They were probably one of our favorite groups of people on trail. You know, we also met this one other girl named uh, Sunshine, who was also 19. Uh, she was also on a gap year hiking the trail. She was just an incredibly special person, too, because she was just a 19-year-old girl hiking by herself. Obviously, we were two guys hiking it together, which I think makes it easier. So she was also very impressive. Um, and just so many other people like that. I would imagine, too. I mean, it's a certain type of person that's seeking out that experience, right? So I think no matter what, the people that you're meeting, you initially share something in common and that you wanted this experience. You're having that similar experience of hiking. And I think, sounds like, John, you're at University of San Diego and Eamon, you're at University of Arizona in Tucson. And so I'm just curious now, probably a few weeks to a month into school at this point, how has this gap year experience in everything you did, both on trail and off trail in the past year since graduating high school, shaped your path moving forward? Well, I think I would have been a very different college student <laughs> had I not taken a gap year, regardless of the trail and whatnot, because that was a huge, that was a huge undertaking for sure. Like, as you said, even off trail, just having some time to grow as a person, to experience things that, that take a lot of, that take time to kind of develop. And you don't get that kind of time with even part of a summer break or whatever. You know, some people don't even get that off of school. I mean, it, it was just hard to, it's hard for me to imagine what I would have been like, you know, going out into the world, graduating college, and then for the first time being able to kind of gauge what life is really like. And, you know, I was still at home, so I can't, I can't be certain what, what, you know, the rest of the world is like out there. But there are people that you meet on the trail, people that you meet at just a minimum wage job that change you. It doesn't have to be a Nobel Prize winner giving a speech. It doesn't have to be this spectacular, well-accomplished person. It's just these different kinds of people you meet, the interactions you have with them, good and bad, unique and maybe something you've seen before. It's all just, it's something that in school, you know, you meet people that are in school, you meet professors and whatnot, and that's great. But you have four years to do that. And I think getting firsthand experience at meeting so many different perspectives and people from all different kinds of backgrounds before you go into something you're paying so much money and time for is really helpful to get as much as you can out of such a big undertaking, such a unique experience as college. Um, so I, I think I'm definitely much better off uh, having taken a year off to figure out who I really am and who I you know want to be and what my work ethic is and whatnot. It's just really changed 
who I am in college and who I am just in the real world. Amen. I feel like you hit the nail on the head there for myself as well, being someone who works in the gap year industry, like that is it, right? That is, it's taking that time and better understanding who you are and who you want to be in the world prior to going to college, which is such a big investment. As you said, I really appreciate your articulation of that. What about you, John? How do you feel that this experience this past year has shaped you and, and who you are today? This experience has definitely made me more willing, I guess, to tackle challenges and um, just things I have to do that I just don't want to do in that moment. It's made me a lot less of a uh, procrastinator, I'd say, uh, just because, like, you know, it'd be cold in the morning and I'd be like, all right, I have to do this, like, I have to get up and hike. And I think that sort of has translated itself into, you know, me being here in college, like, there's an assignment I don't want to do or... If there's like, or if it's an assignment I don't want to do, like I think before I just told myself like, oh, I'll watch Netflix now. I'll, I'll do it later. Whereas now I'd say I'm much more able to just like sit down and say, you know what, like I gotta do this all, and I just sort of sit down and do it right then and there. And I think that's gonna continue to hold true for the rest of my life um, as sort of a positive attribute that I've gained. Love hearing that. I think that both of you obviously had such unique insights and experiences and gained knowledge and, and wherewithal and such from these experiences this past year. I personally have really enjoyed hearing about it. So as of now, that was all the main things I had for you both. Is there any other final tidbits or pieces of advice or anecdotes that you want to share from your experiences or thoughts or advice for those out there that might be considering taking a gap year? As someone who had no idea what a gap year was halfway through high school and then, you know, kind of jumped into it all at once, I would I would absolutely say that it's a net positive. Whatever happens in your gap year, whether you work the whole time, you know, you don't have to go on a huge adventure or something. But if you do decide to go on some kind of adventure, it can really help, you know, whether you thought it was a good experience or a, or a tough experience or just something where you got to enjoy yourself. I think it all benefits you in the long run. Just having more to work with as a person going into college um, or wherever you go afterwards. And you know, my the major that I wanted to go into my senior year of high school is very, very different from what I want to do now. Because over the year, I, th I really thought about, do I fit what I want to do? And does what I want to do fit with how I work and stuff? And I, th I thought a long time about it. And, you know, I'm still... I'm still changing my major probably once every two weeks on average uh, already. <laughs> but I think it's all part of growing up. I think it's all part of the life experience, not just the college experience, but the life experience to have that time off to really evaluate how those four years of high school went and, you know, middle school even. Figure some things out, have some time on your own to make some decisions and really think about what you want to do, where you want to go, and how you want to do it. And then when you get to college, you can sit there and be like, you know, I want to do this, and, you know, this is how I'm going to get there. And whether that's what you wanted to do a year ago or not, whether it could be vastly different, I think it's it just reassures you. It makes me a lot more confident, I know, in college to have a better sense of what I want to do, how I want to do it, and where... I want life to take me. I appreciate your, your thoughts and insights there. And I love the thought of changing your major every two weeks. And that's fair. That's what I think everybody's doing their freshman year of college, of course. But to know how much it's changed since you were a senior, you know, imagine if you had gone straight on to college, maybe you wouldn't be having these questions and, and changes and, and thoughts moving forward. What about you, John? Any final thoughts for those out there considering the gap year option? 
So I'd say for me, taking a gap year was just a hugely beneficial thing. But I'd say moreover, I think I'll realize the benefits as time goes on. It's almost like too soon really for me to, to be able to sort of see the, the indirect benefits yet. But I will say everybody we talked to on trail, not a single person didn't say, oh, I wish I'd hiked it when I was your age. I think at least 99% of the people we met all said that. So I think that really just speaks to the power of taking a gap year and sort of what it allows you to do. I would also say that just like if you have any sort of dream or passion or just anything you want to do, a gap year is like the best opportunity to pursue that dream or that passion simply because more often than not I think life just kind of gets in the way of doing those things you know life forces you to compromise on your dreams or make changes because that's just reality whereas taking a gap year is like the one one time where you can really just completely unencumbered do do whatever you want whatever that dream may be and I think that that's just such a, a powerful tool. Thank you for sharing that as well. I think both of you have been so articulate in explaining your experiences and how impactful they've been. But also, it's so true. It's the one time in your life that you can can take on an adventure or challenge yourself to do something different. I think especially for both of you stepping outside of what is still kind of the norm here in the States to go straight on to college. That speaks volumes, I think, of your maturity and independence and just the fact that you were willing to seek out those experiences and challenge yourselves in that way. Really cannot thank you both enough for taking the time to be with us on the pod today. I think that your experiences and insights are invaluable for students out there who are considering this option for their futures. Thank you for sharing. And for those of you listening out there, just as a reminder, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Gap Year Radio. If you have a Gap Year story or question, please feel free to email us at gapyearradio at gmail.com. So for you both today, what we have been trying to do at the end of every pod is sign off in a different language. Now, I understand that both of you spent your Gap Years here in the continental United States, but do either of you speak another language that you might like to help us sign off in by saying, you know, something along the lines of, Thanks for listening and goodbye. We actually both took Mandarin Chinese for six years. So in the same class. All right. So how do you say thanks for listening and goodbye in Mandarin? So to say thank you would be xie xie, and to say goodbye would be zaijian. Perfect. Love it. Well, I'm not sure how much your Mandarin was put to use on the trail, but appreciate you sharing that with us today. All right. Thank you both so much and we will be in touch. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah.